What do you think these people have in common? A retired guy who loves woodworking, organizing, and looking out for others' needs. And a young attorney who is a new father and who feverishly studies the scriptures and theology. How about these two? An infant who cannot take care of themselves, but mainly eats, sleeps, and makes messes in a diaper. And an empty nester who plays pickleball, loves the Hokies, and helps take care of his mother-in-law. How about these two? A young mother with a toddler that won't stop jumping on the furniture, loves her husband, and is grateful to drink a cup of Starbucks alone in her car. And a single woman who's struggling to make a career change and is infatuated with Taylor Swift. They don't seem to have that much in common. However, the answer is that they're all part of this particular church community. I just didn't put names to those, although I think you could figure out Ralph, which is really interesting because I had no idea that he was going to share that this morning. <clears throat> They're unique in their personalities, gifts, hobbies, age, different struggles and livelihoods, yet they are all connected through their same faith in Jesus. So as we continue this series created for community, this morning we're going to look at how God has created us to be both unique but also unified. And we're going to do that by taking a look at Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 16. So um, read along with me. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, that'd be awesome. The words would be on the screen as well. This is Paul speaking to the churches uh, in Ephesus and the surrounding area. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, because he's writing from prison, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led hosts, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. <clears throat> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way 
into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow, that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for these words. We thank you for what you were doing uh, in the early church, in the churches in Ephesus, and how you were teaching them that you had gifted them with all kinds of spiritual gifts, all kinds of talents and personalities to come together to build one another up as the body of Christ so that they could have an impact on their community that they could love one another and lo love those who had not become a part of their church community yet. I pray, Lord, as we seek your face this morning, that we will understand these things as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Ephesians. So listen, here, here we go. Uh, in, in, our, uh, in our church... We have a lot of different gifts. And in verse 11 tells us a little bit about our uniqueness. Verse 11 tells us that God gave special gifts to individuals, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And the people with these gifts tended, not always, but they tended to be leaders in the churches. And God designed his church globally and locally to have leaders who would equip the saints for the work of ministry. In our, in our church specifically, we have teachers and shepherds and evangelists and prophets. You can say, well, wait a minute, we have prophets? Well, here's how we sort of view that is that prophets in the sense that a preacher is supposed to be a mouthpiece for God, proclaiming his words as they are found in the scriptures and not beyond that. So our own words of exhortation to you uh, may never be as authoritative as the Bible. Ephesians, though, <clears throat> is not the only place in the Bible that teaches about spiritual gifts given to the body of Christ. We also see it in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and a couple other passages uh, in the Bible. And some of these include uh, the following. Serving, exhorting, generosity, leadership, mercy, wisdom, discernment, faith healing, administration, prayer, and hospitality. And these gifts are not just for leaders. They're for everybody in the church. No individual has all the spiritual gifts. We're unique in the sense that God has given each one of us different gifts. Because God wants us to work together. If we all had the same gifts, or if we all had all of the gifts, then we wouldn't necessarily need one another, would we? But God has created us to be interdependent upon one another. That's how he's created us. In community, to be interdependent of one another, to be dependent. I'm dependent on, on you and your gifts, and you're dependent on... Uh, you're the people sitting next to you and their gifts, and we're all dependent upon one another. Think about the people that you know just here in our con congregation who exhibit the gift of mercy 
by reaching out and caring for those who have trouble caring for themselves, like our deacons and deaconesses. But again, beyond, beyond just the, those offices, we, we, uh, we have people that are full of mercy, the gift of mercy, that aren't, aren't leaders. They're just, they just do that naturally because that is who God has gifted them to be. Or people who have the gift of prayer. You know who to ask for prayer from. You know who to go to when you need a special prayer. When you have a serious need. There are women who pray every Sunday morning here. Every Wednesday morning who pray for our church. You know people with the gift of administration. You know people who are incredibly organized. And are able to put together large events or take com a complex environment like we have here at church. And put order to it like our office staff and others. You know people who have the gift of wisdom and discernment. Meaning you know who to go to uh, for advice when you're facing a perplexing situation. You know who you're going to go to for advice for that because you know that they have the gift of wisdom and discernment. You know people who have the gift of serving. I mean, you see these people every Sunday because uh, they're smiling. They're joyful. They are excited to be here early and to show up and to serve you and your children. They love it. And that's a gift that God gives to us. We also have un unique gifts and talents and abilities and skills and passions like cooking or accounting and counseling financial planning, fixing things, artists, writers, planners, people who are passionate about gathering people together, teaching children and youth, or landscaping. The list goes on, right? And all these, we, we get to combine all of these gifts and talents to build one another up. They are unique gifts that God has placed on us individually, but they are meant to build up the one body of Christ. They are to help the body grow internally, right, as we mature as believers in our own covenant community. But they are also meant to be used and to impact our community missionally outside. Now, ultimately, there are some barriers and obstacles that keep us from using our gifts. I want to talk to that for just a second. So some people simply have not paid any attention to their spiritual gifts that God's given them specifically. Or they may simply have not figured out what they are or have failed to understand how to use them. Or they just simply don't care to use them. Again, everyone has at least one spiritual gift. So how can we overcome these obstacles if we're, if we're uh, either not have paid attention to them or we're, we're not sure what they are or maybe we're just kind of um, lethargic about our spiritual gifts and, and how God wants us to use them. Uh, what can we do? First, we just admitting that that truth is a great start. Because not caring to explore and use your spiritual gifts is not good. It's a sign of being cold-hearted toward God who has created you and given you specific things, given you specific gifts. And it's also uncaring to the rest of the body. Because we need you. Right? We need, every, we need, everybody needs everybody. We all need each other. 
So to get out of this, it's going to require you to examine your heart for reasons about why you may not care or why you may not have explored those things. It could be, is it because you're selfish, self-absorbed, living your own, in your own world and your own comfortable life and you just have not chosen to get out of that? Maybe you're just paralyzed by fear, knowing that if you figure out your gifts, then you're going to have to start using them. That's kind of scary. Uh, this is something that you and the Lord need to, to get together and kind of figure out, I would say. And once you figure out why you feel this way, then you confess it to the Lord. Just call it what it is. Confess. Confession will lead to a heart of repentance, telling Jesus uh, that you don't want to have these sinful desires any longer, and then turn in faith to him for forgiveness and restoration. This is how the gospel works, right? Jesus just doesn't condemn us and say, well, you're lethargic and you don't care to use your gifts, so, okay, I'm just going to put you over here. No, he says, come on, it's okay. I understand what you're going through. I understand the, the obstacles that you're having. Let's talk about them. Let's, can, let's, let's discuss them and work it out. It leads us to a heart of repentance. And what Jesus does is he takes that humble confession, that repentance and the faith, and then what he does is he gives us new desires. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Because Jesus just doesn't leave us like in our sin, but he transforms us and gives us a new heart and gives us new desires. Jesus starts to warm our hearts to understand who he's created us to be. And Jesus will, will give you new cravings and yearnings to know him deeper, to know this gospel of grace on a deeper level. And then once you start caring and longing to know who God has created you to be uniquely with your own gifts, then you start to figure out what those specific gifts are and the talents that God has given you to build up the body of Christ. That's how it works. You, you start to read the scriptures and, and see which gifts you feel your heart and your passions resonate with, right? You, you go back to 1 Corinthians 12. You go back to Romans 12. You go back to Ephesians 4 and the other passages that talk about this. And you say, wow, what are, what are these? That, uh, what gifts has God given me? Maybe you take a spiritual gifts assessment where you answer a series of discovery questions. We have one of those on our website. Just If you go to our website, there's, a, there's a, a tab at the top that says more, and you go down and you click on it, and the first link is, about, is a spiritual gifts assessment uh, under resources. So... And then you could also do this. You could ask your closest friends what they think your gifts are. Right? I mean, that's a great way to, to, to begin to explore and figure out what your gifts are. Maybe you didn't even know you had the gift of mercy or the gift of helping or um, whatever it is. Like, but your friends can help um, you identify those. And then what you do is you look for specific opportunities to use your gifts to build up the body of Christ. You use, uh, you, you figure those out, and then you're like, okay, Lord, what opportunities are there uh, here at our church to, to, to use these gifts with what, with what you're doing here? So then what that does is our unique gifts, 
We figure those out. But then it brings us together um, to our unifying mission. Because we're, we're not just unique and all on our own doing different things that don't ever come together. We're doing them because we're, we have a mission. And Ephesians 4 here is clear on what makes us unique, but it's also clear on what unites us. Verse 4 says that we are one body and one spirit. Okay? We are one body and one spirit. But how? How is that? What does that mean? Think about it this way. As a believer in Christ, I am uh, in an inseparable bond with Jesus. So me and Jesus, we, we, uh, because of, of his spirit, he has bonded us together, me and him together, in this bond that cannot be broken, cannot be taken away. It's inseparable. And then you, 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 you too are in this inseparable bond with Jesus, right? Because you've put your faith in him. And each one of us has put our faith. We're, we're, in, we're united in Christ, is what we call it. We're united in Christ. Well, think about that for a second. If Brad is united in Christ, and I'm united in Christ, and Kaz is united in Christ, and I'm united in Christ, and Emily is united in Christ, and I'm united in Christ, what does that mean? We're united to one another. Right? We, we've been bonded together. We've been brought together in this inseparable bond. So we're unique, but we're, we're together, and Christ brings us one body, one spirit there's one body of Christ, and there's one spirit that unites all of us. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 19, Paul is writing to the churches in Corinth on the same subject as Ephesians. And he says this, For just as the one body, excuse me, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be as it is there are many parts yet one body it can't be any clearer right this is what we're talking about that is that is a clear um definition of what we're trying to say we all have one hope the hope of god taking care of us now and forever right we all have one lord christ who sits on the throne, and we all together worship him alone. We all have one faith. We have all put our faith in Jesus alone, who died for us. He bore the wrath of God, taking our sin upon us. We don't believe in any other Savior. It's Christ alone 
by faith alone, through grace alone. We all have one baptism. We all have the same sign and seal that we belong to Jesus. We all have been washed clean and made holy in God's sight, and we're all part of one covenant family, one covenant community. We all have one God and Father of all. We are all reconciled to God, the Father, through Christ the Son, and have been given the same Holy Spirit to bind us together in perfect unity. We all have one mission. So let's go back to our Ephesians passage to find out what our mission is. Verses 12 and 13 tell us our mission and our goal is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have one mission together using our unique gifts but together we're unified. And our unified mission is to build up the body of Christ. It's to build up one another. Not for each other's glory, but for the glory of God. For the glory of Christ. It's his body. And we do that by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We all do that together. We all equip one another. We all encourage one another. We all teach one another what it means to follow Jesus so that we attain unity of the faith, so that we continue in this bond that we have, this, this unified bond together of our faith in order to become mature in our knowledge and depth of relationship with Christ. So we want to, to grow deeper in our walk with the Lord, to understand more and more what it means to follow Jesus, and each one of us together, using the gifts that God's given us, help us all do that together. And it's, a, it's just beautiful when it works, when it works together. And, and I see it and I feel it right now as our, as our church is growing and moving. Um, I see it uh, as I look at our staff and the different gifts and abilities that he's given us. I see it uh, in the worship team. You know, they all have different gifts and backgrounds and play different uh, instruments, and yet it all comes together, right, in this one beautiful voice that does what? They're not here to put on a show for themselves. What does it do? It leads all of us in worship. It brings us to worship God. This propels us not only to love and serve and minister to one another within the body of Christ, but it also propels us and sends us outside the walls of the church. A healthy church will be growing in depth here and in width. So inside the church, we will be growing. So a healthy church grows inside as its, as its members know and understand more and more the knowledge uh, and, and, the, and the intimacy that we have with Jesus. We grow in that, but then it also propels us outside. We grow in width 
So we reach outside the walls of the church to bring people in to expand this kingdom, to be a part of God's business of proclaiming the gospel to everyone that we meet. But this too has its own obstacles that keep us from our mission. Some people just see the church as a religion and not a mission. Like just living a clean life, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. Or, or kind of along those lines, we think that we're just good people doing good things. We just think, you know, I'm a good person and I need to do good things. And that's what, it, that's what going to church is all about. The problem is that there are a lot of seemingly good people doing good things. Let me rock the boat for a minute. Okay? Get ready. Remember... Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. His point is that our own goodness counts for nothing. We're only good because Jesus has made his home in our hearts. And has made us good. He did this by taking our sin upon himself. And placing his righteousness upon us. His goodness upon us. And this is completely different than what our culture uh, would say about what a good person is. And I understand that. But we are here to study the scriptures and have God speak to us and tell us what the truth is about what a good person is. And just being a good person, doing good things apart from Christ means absolutely nothing. You may think that you're a good person doing good things, but if you've not been made good by Jesus then neither you nor the things you do can actually be good. Did you know that? If you think you do something you think is good, but don't do it for the glory of God, then you're doing it for ulterior motives. Typically, either for yourself, which is idolatry, or for the good of the human race which is also idolatry. God made mankind for himself. God created us to worship and glorify him alone. And any other motive is void and actually wicked in the eyes of God. Think about this for a second, this illustration. If you stand outside an abortion clinic to picket against the murder of the unborn but you are only but you're doing it only because you want you don't want babies to die so you're picketing outside an abortion clinic and you're doing it for the sole purpose because you do not want unborn babies to die you are doing it for the wrong reason you picket and pray outside the abortion clinic because those babies are created in the image of God. They're created to grow up and worship God in a loving relationship. That's why you do it. Our united mission is to build one another up in faith using the gifts that God's given us so that together we can carry out his mission. His mission of being bringing people back into a right relationship 
with himself. The church exists to bring glory to God in every way he calls us to. Every way he calls us to. The fun part is that we get to do it together. Shoulder to shoulder. Heart to heart, lifting up the name of Jesus. That's the fun part. That's what I enjoy about being part of this church, is that we get to do it together. I want to read uh, some lyrics from a a song I've been listening to recently by um, a group called Faithful. Um, I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read. And uh, it says, All you orphans, you know who you are. Weary, worried child who has nowhere to belong. Oh, you're hungry. I see it on your face. Coward in the corner, just trying to feel safe. But there is a place for you. God is a house for you where you can run and there's always enough. And there's no fear inside, so you don't have to hide. There's only love, and it's more than enough. All you widows left to walk alone through loss or broken promises, abandoning your hope. Oh, you're tired. You're always on your own, giving of the little left with nothing in return. But there is a place for you. God has a house for you where you can run, and there's always enough. There's no fear inside, so you don't have to hide. There's only love, and it's more than enough. There is a place for you here in the body of Christ where there is enough love where you can be fully known and fully loved. Where you can find out who God has really made you to be. And you can live that out alongside one another in community for God's kingdom and for his glory. Let's do that. Sounds awesome to me. I hope it does to you. Let's pray. Jesus, you have um, come to redeem us back to the Father. You've given us your spirit, and in doing so, you've given us gifts that we do not have on our own. They're given to you, to us by you alone, for your service alone, for your glory alone, for your mission alone. To build up one another as the body, your church will grow. Lord, it all comes together because of what you're doing. And Lord, I just pray that we continue to pay attention to what you're doing, follow your lead. Thank you for these dear friends and the gifts you've given them and how they build me up each day, how I am encouraged through gospel stories, through meeting with people to watching how people suffer well, to watching the growth of, of children, for people coming to Jesus and, and, and sharing their um, story of faith about what you've done. Lord, it is, it is a beautiful gift that you've given us, this body of, of, of Christ. And so we 
we pray, Lord, that we will continue to um, live in it and, and, and find life in it because this is where you've put us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.